Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome to Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V in lines right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh. And as always, I am joined by the governor, the third round pick of the 1987 NFL Draft for the Detroit Lions, a three-time Pro Bowler with 32 and a half career sacks. It's Jerry Reckon Ball. How's it going tonight, Jerry? Oh, man, everything is good. You know, here just, you know, assessing, you know, the the game last night and, you know, just kind of sorting out some ideas of where I think they are at the middle of the season. It's it, truly strange to be right around that midway point. And it's like you always say football you take the season into quarters your first four games is your first we're at seven games now we are about to hit our last game of the quarter but that's for the future for the now we have to talk about the la rams and the detroit Lions. but before we get to that jerry did you bet on the game did you bet on the lions Man, listen, I actually, I did not bet on the game, but I wish I would have, you know, bet under because, you know, the, the lines in the score, you know, definitely, you know, did a number on those that thought the Rams was going to blow them out, which I would say I did. But, you know, I tell you, it was it, it was a decent game. And, hey, look, bet online, great place to place your bet. College, you know, basketball, all sports and stuff. Yeah, I I gotta be honest. I did not bet on or against the Lions either. I just I just I couldn't bring myself to do it. Just I thought it was gonna be a more lopsided game than it was, and I didn't want to I didn't want to put any money on that. But if I did put money on the game and all the other games, I did put money on. I'm using BetOnline.ag. They're back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50. That's B L E A V 50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And to start this one, the Lions went up. The Lions got the ball. They go up 7-0. And it was a very, 
very fast start for Dan Campbell's team. This is the first time they ran a play with a lead. They've held a lead in the past. They just haven't ran any offensive plays with it. So it was a really, really competitive game. What do you have to say about Dan Campbell getting an undermanned team to hang in tightly? And they did fall 28 to 19, but it was very competitive. Well, I, I would say that, you know, with his team being it, with the record that they have coming in, you know, he pulled all stops, you know, he didn't leave anything in the tank. You know, he came there clearly saying, if you're going to beat me, then I'm damn sure going to try to do everything I can to win. So some of the things that he did very early in the game was that type of, you know, I guess you would say uh, game planning that clearly they had already planned in their mind that they were going to use everything in the playbook and pull all stops. So I think that they did real good in that regard. They truly pull out all the stops. They score that opening touchdown on the drive. Then it's an onside kick. Then when they stall, it's fourth down. It's a fake punt. They go up 10-0. They lead after the first quarter. They're down at half by just a single point. And then they're leading heading into the third corner. Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, DB coach Aubrey Pleasant, they hold Matthew Stafford, of all people, under 30 points while starting two UDFAs at cornerback on the outside and at slot until... One of those UDFAs, A.J. Parker, suffered a shoulder injury. Unfortunate, but that's just a symptom of the Lions' season. What's your message to the team, even though they lost, it was that competitive? Well, you know, just to kind of back up before I I would point to some positive things that I, I think, one, you know, when you talk about defense, you know, the, the combination of the offense controlling the ball in that first quarter, whereas Matthew Stafford didn't get a chance to touch the ball until seven minutes had already been ran off the clock. That's the best defense that you can always play from a standpoint, whereas your offense keeps the ball. Then secondly, from a defensive standpoint, you know, Aaron, <clears throat> definitely put the guys in great positions and they did disrupt, you know, some of the stuff that Stafford and it took him a minute before they could get their rhythm, but <clears throat> they still showed that they were a good team, you know, because one of the things that I had spoke to about Jared golf before is being able, no matter what's the scenario, keeping your composure, Matthew Stafford did that. You know, when he's down 10-0, just getting the ball, and he could have felt that it was a need to rush his game, he just sat back and he dinked and ducked and got down the road, got three, then came back, you know, and again, just stayed in the game, stayed poised and stuff. But I would say that, you know, the Lions in terms of how they played was very gutsy. Very gutsy indeed. I that That is the the defining word of the game for the Detroit Lions gutsy or perhaps balls. even if we want to go that far. All right. Well, yep. And then now to answer your question, which again, <laughs> I try to stay on point. You had asked you what would I say to the team? Well, one, you know, those type of plays are, you know, plays, if you put them in a statistical aspect where you use probability, those plays, 
you know, from a probability standpoint, don't work most times. So that means that you're going to have to play, settle down and play football at some point. And I think, you know, being able to rally the troops and get the team ready the way that he wants to get them engaged and stuff, those type of plays and that type of energy can create the momentum and create the spark plug. But then at the end of the game, you know, were you able to run the ball? Were you able to throw the ball? Did the defense hold up on the run? Did the defense hold up on the pass? Did special teams win in those phases? Because it's three phases of the game. So regardless of what plays are called, was it executed? Whether or not for us it's a trick or whether or not for, for them it was game plan. But they're going to have to settle down and have to play some ball because now teams are going to start getting better. You're in the middle of the season. And teams that wasn't as good as they were in that first quarter, those first four games, now are starting to get used to their personnel, especially if they're not dealing with injuries, and they're going to be better. So they have to, you know, do more. And that's one of the things Dan Campbell talked about after the game is the Rams made mistakes not covering both of the fake punts that the Lions had, the onside kick. They made mistakes by not being ready, but yeah. they're the Rams. They're a Super Bowl contender every year. They can make up for those mistakes. The Lions, when they make mistakes, it just means a little bit more right now. And so Matthew Stafford, a fitting tribute to the Detroit Lions, another fourth quarter comeback yet 31 during his time with Detroit ends up with the victory 334 yards three <coughs> touchdowns just Matthew Stafford did Matthew Stafford things and after the game just was the complete picture of class and grace much like Jerry Ball to be <laughs> honest he talks about how humbling it was and how much it meant to have all of the number nine jerseys on both sides of the field. I know you've talked about it. Uh, you weren't the most popular guy when you came back to Detroit on the field, when you're outside, it, things, things were good, but uh, people were angry when you were making plays against them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I tell you, you know, like I said, the fan, you know, is going to be that fan 100% of the time. So when you're on on their team, they riding with you. They could love you. You switch teams, you know, they gonna still love you, but you come up against the lines, <laughs> it's nothing, it's nothing nice, you know. But and they'll reach and, and then after the game, if if the Lions win, they'll tell you, hey, great job, Jerry. <laughs> you know, but if we thump the lines, then it's like Ball, we don't like you. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure it was only that. It was about that polite. That never went to, too overboard, right? They were still Well, no, listen, man. I didn't mean called fat ass and all kind of things, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How yeah, you know. Respectful. Come on. Look, fans are vicious up there in those stands now. You know, if you got a little soft soft skin and stuff, you can't handle it, you know, then you might want to kind of stand closer to the sideline versus sitting on the bench where the fans right there behind your head talking to you. Oh, goodness. Well, I'm glad you've got the thick skin. And apparently so does Matthew Stafford. He does outplay yeah. Jared Goff, although Dan Campbell, after the fact, says that Goff played well for the most part, 268 yeah. yards, one touchdown, Ultimately, two interceptions, though, which Campbell takes 
credit for the first interception. He said he didn't create enough spacing with the route. I say it was kind of just a bad throw with Jalen Ramsey lurking underneath with Aaron Donald giving pressure. Well, listen, first of all, that interception itself is one that only guys with rare ability yep. can make. All right. This guy here undercuts a, a, a pass and gets there. Typically, you're not most cornerbacks because of their roles and responsibility won't take that chance and try to jump that pass, you know, because that was not his, the guy he's covering, you know? So Jalen made a true veteran play on that move. So that that's one thing, but when it comes to, you know, Jared and the way that he played, yeah, he, he definitely showed some improvement and he actually looked, early on to have a lot of confidence, it was almost like he was comfortable because he was there in L.A. versus playing in the Silverdome, you know, or not the Silverdome, except playing in Ford Field, you know, it, it just seems that, you know, the pressure was off of him and he was looser, you know, in his warm-ups and just kind of looking at it when they had the cameras on him and stuff, it didn't look like he was, like, in the lights as much. The moment wasn't too big for him. It didn't get away from him. And, and like you said, Jalen Ramsey is just phenomenal. And I think that's all you can say about the play. Aaron Donald made a play making the hit. And Jalen yep. Ramsey, like, you, you can't be upset when those two are the ones making the big plays. Oh, And Jared Goff does miss DeAndre Swift for an early touchdown. A miscommunication on the route where he thought he was going to stop. Swift kind of goes out too far and then he misses him on the final interception. It's just a couple miscommunications all in all a solid day with a very strong game plan from the coaches. Like we talked about onside kick fake punt twice. They go up 10 to three and then they settle for a field goal on fourth and three at the Rams 29 instead of going for it. Do you think that was the right decision to go up 13 to three instead of going for it on fourth down when they'd been so aggressive previously? Well, you see, that's that's the problem when you are being that aggressive and now you're getting people to expect that, okay, you should go for this, but you went for a fourth and longer. But now when it comes to this fourth and three, you, you're getting conservative. So that's going to bring, that's going to, you know, since that's his style of, of, I guess, play because he's done it quite a bit in these first games. I mean, he's went for on four down at least, what, five times already? Oh, probably more than that. That's probably like two a game at this point. Yeah, but that's a lot. It, it's a whole that's lot. A lot. That's a lot. And um, so maybe, you know, statistically people have to have to chart him for that. But, you know, fourth and three, you know, it's all about, again, the feel of the team, the rhythm of the defense, how they planned, what the offense feel, you know. And, and, and getting three at any time you're getting in scoring position is just as good as a touchdown because, you know, you want to walk out of there without points. If you don't get the first down, then you've given them the momentum emotionally too. So, Especially when you can take a two-score lead, go up by 10 on the Rams when you're an underdog. Yeah. 
I think you do have to take that decision. I was very happy to see that. I was also happy to see Panay Sewell mixing it up with Aaron <laughs> Donald early. Aaron Donald, he has a solid game. He has a hit. He has another pressure. He makes a couple tackles as well. Not as loud as you would right. usually expect from Aaron Donald. And early in the game, they're mixing it up. They're not standing down. Panay Sewell, the youngest player in the NFL, not backing down from the best player in the NFL. And so what does that tell you about Sewell as a young player? And did Jerry Ball have any moments like that as a youngster back in the day? Well, definitely had some moments, but I will say this, you know, for, for Aaron Donald in his play, you know, he definitely, you know, I guess you would say had a quiet day, you know, from the standpoint, I would say that the Detroit Lions did as well as any team in containing him. The key hit that he made on the interception is the one of one play that truly he affected that had an effect on the game. But as it relates to Sewell and being able to mix it up and showing that, Hey, you know, we gonna not we you're not gonna play bully ball here. You know that was a that was a good sign of some mental toughness and physical willingness to get in there and mix it up. Because see, a lot of people will talk, but when it comes to that physical aspect, they won't stick it in there. And when I say stick it in there, I mean they won't go in there and hit you. They'll be there trying to tackle you with their arms versus going in there and hitting you upside your head with that forearm. That's a, that's a little different. To hit with that forearm, you got to get closer. You got to put your body in it, play behind your pads and stuff, which is a whole different game. Aaron Donald plays behind his pads. So when those guys are mixing it up, that means you having to play a physical game. And they, for the most part, held up with him. And when he and Sewell were mixing it up during that little scuffle, let's call it, you could see the left guard, Jonah Jackson. He His eyes were just so wide. It's like, the rookie's doing this. All right. Rookie showing no yeah. fear. That, right. that has to establish well, some tough, some cred in the locker room, I imagine. Hey, that that's one of the things about the NFL. You know, that young bull is always there to remind you that eventually I'm going to run your ass to the pasture. Might not be the day, but eventually we all head to the pasture. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Aaron Donald's heading there anytime soon. but it was Well, amazing. not soon, but, but it's guaranteed he's going. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> At some point, it's going to happen, and it's going to be a rookie yeah. like Panay Sewell that's putting them in his <laughs> Exactly. I remember reading Jonathan Ogden. He said the time he knew he had to retire was when Dwight Freeney came on board and was just so dominant with the spin move. He couldn't keep up with it. He's like, yep, this is time for me to step away. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, there are there are things that, you know, will let you know. The position that I played, you know, my game as I got older, like when I was young, I go sideline to sideline. I'm mm -hmm. making you Which know, is so rare for a nose tackle, might I add. Very much so. Very much so. That's kind of what, you know, really set me apart, you know, from, from others because I extended the range of the nose. And as I got older and when I got my injury, instead of going sideline to sideline, I adjusted my game to play 
hash to hash and you know right side that tackle so i control the middle then would get to the hustle but then as i retire get to my retirement age you know when i'm in those early 30s and and now teams like minnesota and and cleveland have brought me in as a role player but it's really like a player coach now all i'm there is for the stability of just stopping the run i don't have to be the guy that makes the tackle all right that's for now for the young defensive tackle okay i'm gonna hold the middle you make the tackle or you force the play and I'll make sure he can't step up. I'll make sure that if they bounce out or the quarterback bounce out, I'll get the containment, you know. So that's kind of how, you know, my game was adjusted. So at the end of the day, you know, I'll tell you, you know, it's it's one that as you get older, you, you become wiser and you learn how to play the game, whereas you don't have to use as much effort, believe it or not, because you're a technician technician with that grown man strength that you've talked about as well yes lord (laughs) and that's something that you've talked about in the past too is you don't have to be showing up in the stat sheet to be doing your job to be making an impact to be creating a win some especially at the defensive tackle position yeah well that's exactly right i mean you know defenses have schemes just like an offensive play yeah, they even have directions that they want the defensive linemen to to rush, you know, and, and even in some cases, the defensive linemen are dropped in the coverage, but you don't see it because like the nose, when they'll they have him hit the center and hole, and then when they start forcing, then he kind of backs away from the line and he's doing what's called a cop. And if the quarter, wherever the quarterback go, if he leaks one way or the other, that's his job is to go to that direction, you know. So, and then from the outside, sometimes you'll have a defensive end that he'll have the flat responsibility in zone coverage, you know. So there are a lot of abilities that, you know, or things that's being assigned that you don't see. And sometimes you say, man, we didn't get no pressure on the quarter well because it, when we rush in three-man front, we already know that we're not going to get as much pressure as a four-man front. We got more people in coverage, right? But if we want to blitz them and load the box and things like that, now we got to blitz and stuff. Now you got hot routes. That means that the DBs have to be able to handle one-on-one situations. So all of those strategic adjustments means that that defensive lineman either has to force him to get the ball out quicker or they have to hold it where strategically you're keeping them contained until, you know, your rush man get to him. And there's rush lanes. There's passing lanes that you all that. There's lots of things going into it. So it's not just the flashy stats that matter. However, Jared Goff was sacked twice by the Rams, once by Kenny Young, once by Sebastian Joseph Day. But back to Kenny Young, the linebacker, he was traded today. He starts versus the Lions, and he's traded for a 2024th sixth-round pick, which is just – and this is the second time it's happened for him as well. Kenny Young was part of the Marcus Peters deal that sent the former All-Pro corner to the Ravens. Mm -hmm. That's the show business, though, I suppose, but – What's it like being told, hey, you got to go to another city now? Pack up. Hey, it, 
it, it's it, it, this is the business. It, the football, baseball, basketball. This is truly business. I remember. Um, I'm not gonna tell the whole story, but I well, I probably can say because Denny and I had a great relationship. But I was with Cleveland on the expansion team in '99. And I remember the white clock, the former San Francisco G GM, rest his soul. Um, he called me, said, Hey, Jerry, look, you know, um, we got a call from Minnesota. They're interested in trading for you back. Now, you got to recognize that I'm in my 13th year, right? So here's a team that's willing to give up a player that's in his fourth year and a third round draft pick for me to come back to Minnesota in my 13th year. Okay. So that was huge. But when that happened, this is like a call on Monday. I didn't went to work. Now I'm back at home. I'm about, I had stopped, got me a little grocery about to cook me something to eat. They tell me that I got to pack up because my plane leaves in about an hour and 20 minutes. I got an apartment. I got a little car situation with a dealer. Listen, still today, right now, I have no idea absolutely where the furniture was or where it is. You know, I literally just packed what I had. I asked a friend that I knew in Cleveland to go by there and take all my stuff out the closet and send it to me. Wow. And I said, take and drop the car off at, you know, that dealership that allowed me to drive the car for the season. So it's one of those things where it can happen at any time. You know, you can be cut at any time. You know, I, I remember one year with the Lions and I'll make it short. Um, for some reason, there was at least seven guys in the season that they put in the locker right next to me. And I never forget it because Jimmy Williams, that was his locker the year before. So Jimmy Williams, which was the number one draft pick for the Lions before I got there, he and I were locker mates. So, so the next year, everybody that sat in that locker was getting cut. So I remember about the six, seven guy, I told him, I say, listen here, man, I don't know what's up with this locker right here, but if I was you, I'd tell them, put me anywhere but this locker. I say, man, you the sixth person that sat here. And I said, I'm telling you, everybody that sit here gets cut. And the guy said, really? He didn't hear me. But that next guy, the seventh guy, his name was Mark Brown. He came from Miami. He was a linebacker. And he heard me. And he actually asked him, hey, man, can I have that one right there on the end with right next to the shower? He's made the team. <laughs> <laughs> and he definitely wouldn't have if he stuck with the original locker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So change happens all the time. And you got to know that every team, when you go into their personnel room, there's a board that's like a classroom, right? And they have every player rated on their board at every position throughout the whole league, all right? So they might put up the top 20 players that are tight ends. So they're only interested in these top 20 players. So if they're going to strike a deal, This they got to be on their board. 
If they're tight end not on their board, then okay, you you want to make a deal. We're not interested. But these one of those 20 call, okay, let's talk. You know, and that's kind of how personal, you know, personnel decisions are made. You know? It just moves so fast. And there's rumors yeah. that Trey Flowers may be traded out of Detroit. Yeah. And he did suffer a knee injury in the game. He does come back, so that's good. But with that, it leads to more snaps for the young defensive lineman. Charles Harris, he leads the way with 52 snaps. But Julian Aquara plays about the same amount of snaps as Trey Flowers. He ends up getting his second career sack on Matthew Stafford, which must be a great feeling. And I've got to know, what does it sound like when you sack a quarterback? Is it like a balloon deflating? What is it? Well, you know, what's what's interesting about, you know, the whole stadium noise and when you're on the field, you know, when you're actually in the game and you're focused, you really are focused on the sounds that are in your immediate area. Everything else is like static, right? Unless it's something going on with band or some type of presentation where you see something that is, you know, outside of the norm. But for the most part, when you get a sack or make a touchdown, the people that you hear are your teammates and they're right there celebrating and stuff and you can focus on them. And then as you're getting away from it, then you can kind of pick up here and there. Certain fans might holler, but for the most part, you know, it's the love from your teammates that you're hearing and, and looking for. Gotta be a lovely sound, but the QB doesn't make anything. No groans or grunts or anything like that. No swearing on the way down. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, I, I, I tell you what now, the, the NFL cleaned up a certain aspect where when I came in the NFL, it was understood that at any time the quarterback throws an interception, that the defensive linemen are to search for the quarterback because as a rule, they feel he's going to be the one that makes the save and tackle. So because of that, quarterbacks became hunted. <laughs> and, you know, guys would be like, you know, dodging the de the defensive linemen. And like, you know, Brett Favre probably is the only one that could make it real jovial because he knew we were trying to knock his head off. He'd be like, man, that was close. You almost got me. And stuff, <laughs> and something like that, you know. But for the most part, you know, quarterbacks, unless you put a little lick on them and stuff, they pretty quiet. Not many of them talk a lot of noise, though, you know, but. And then there's every once in a while you get the Andrew Luck. who Oh, that was a nice hit. And then shakes hands yeah. on the way up. Just almost too polite. But that's just the disposition of some of these guys and disposition of the defensive line to go out and get the quarterback. Julian Aquara, in addition to the sack, he had a pass breakup as well. And then Levi on Wuzurike, he plays a career high 22 snaps. Aline McNeil, he only plays seven, the second least of his career so far. Is that just a symptom of the Rams always being in three or four wide receivers, not needing so much of a true nose tackle as more of a pass rusher? Exactly. Yes, that that's exactly, you know, a lot of times, again, these are scheme defenses and sometimes, you know, a scheme 
you know, if a, if a team like the Rams who's going to spread the ball out, you know, whether or not he's under the center or, or drop back, you know, you're going to put that more pass-friendly defense on the field. You're going to probably put your better pass rush guys on the field, but you, you guys have to be able to play both. You got to play that run and the pass, you know, equally well when you're talking about a staffer because, again, he as a quarterback, you know, he's going to make some great throws. But if they can establish the run, you got to be able to play them both. So sometimes you got to have a different player, different skill set. And sometimes you just need a big time player to make a big time play, which is exactly what our guy DeAndre Swift did. 63 yard catch and run for the touchdown on the first drive. He ends the day. 48 rushing, 96 receiving as a running back, 144 yards from scrimmage. Absolutely ridiculous. And Khalif Raymond, he really steps up at wide receiver too, catches six for 115. And that's kind of what you need. You need big-time players to step up in these key moments. Big-time players make big-time plays. Jerry Ball, big-time player. Did you have anyone else that you played with that kind of lived up to that moniker as this player is going to step up when we need it the most? Well, I I tell you, you know, there are a lot of hidden gems, you know, between Kevin Glover, Lomas Brown, and guys like that that were, you know, blocking the Tim Harris's, the Richard Dent's, you know, the Leonard Marshall's, the LT's, and Reggie White's of the world. There were some of those guys that I would tell you really showed out when it was time. They did that and stuff. And you were saying, you know, that Swift and what he was doing and some of the way that those guys played too, you know, hey, like I've said, you know, Swift to me is he's the difference maker in that offense. He really is. I think he is the best player on the team. Matthew Stafford, he has a difference maker as well, though. Cooper Cup, absolutely phenomenal. 10 grabs, 156 yards, and two tutties from him. He is currently on pace for 1,965 yards, which is one yard more than Calvin Johnson had on his record-setting season. However, Johnson did it in 16 games. If Cup does it, it will be in 17 games. Does that make the record a little more hollow? No, no, no. You know, and and I I tell you, you know, just the Rams offense as a whole, you know, with what they have with Jefferson, the guy flood Floyd, I mean, cup, you know, those guys, they got a nice little mix and stuff. And I really like number two, you know, that he, he, he's the athlete in the group, but, you know, Cup is their steady Eddie, you know. He's the one coming up with the plays that are keeping drives going. And that's one of those key things that every team likes is when you got a guy that's going to be consistently, you know, answering the bell when you need him. They say players make plays. Cooper Cup is a player. He's making plays. That's a really good way to put it. And Robert Woods, like you said, great athlete as well. It's just yeah. – They have so much firepower and you cannot make mistakes against a team like that. One of the mistakes that they had was right before the half. They have a really long drive. 
They end up getting a first down inside the 15 and they spike the ball. And then they take a delay of game after spiking the ball. That, yeah, that's bad. That is very, very egregious. And they end up in second and 15. Don't gain any yards on second or third down and have to kick a field goal. They go down into half 17 to 16 instead of having the chance for a touchdown to go up at halftime. Yeah, that was an odd play. And, and, you know, that should have been handled in a better scenario and situation and stuff, you know. You know, that 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 was a real odd scenario way that that took place at that moment. And then another kind of mis- mistake or we'll let you decide it. First drive of the third quarter, it's over six minutes. It's 11 plays. Third and one, no gain on a run. Fourth and one, they go for it. Up the, pretty much the same play. They don't get it. They could have kicked the field goal to go up 19 to 17. Instead, it's 17 to 16. And Dan Campbell, after the game, he takes ownership, says it's his fault, says the tight end should have been aligned a little bit closer on the wing to make the block easier. But he's still happy with the decision to go for it. I don't know, though. When you can go up 19 to 17 in a game, I, I got to default to my football conscience here. Well, here's what your conscience is saying. Anytime that you're in the red zone or have a position of getting three points versus seven, go on and get the three points. Again, you know, we keep getting in the scenario where he's going in these fourth and whatever the distance is scenarios and not getting, then what you become, you start perfecting not getting it versus executing each one. That's not the type of success. You know, so at some point, he's going to have to be a coach and coach through those scenarios and get the points because those points matter. They go up, then that that literally, I promise you, changes the offensive coordinator psyche on what they're going to try to do on the next drive. It changes the rounds. It put more urgency on on Stafford and, and their offense to try to make sure that they can recapture the lead. It's just so many other things. But then they stop it. And again, what happened? The most minimum shift. And who does it shift to? It shifts to the Rams. Why? Because they're at home and they're at a fourth and short and they stop you. And now it's their ball. And then the Lions thankfully get a stop. Next time they get the ball, they kick a field goal, then take it up 19 to 17. That has to be the right decision in that scenario you you can't double down on going for it correct no you can't you know again you know at some point he has to look at the scenario and understand how his defense is playing how his offense is playing but anytime you're in that area red zone where you can get points get the points unless this is like some last minute scenario and you're actually needing to do it a certain way you might need to score twice. So you want to try to, you know, go head on because you feel you got a better chance of getting the seven points now. Then, you know, but again, that's a situational. I think in this situation and some of the other four and whatever the chance were, scenarios were more morale builders. It was, it's really not considered sound football. That's the truth of it. And anytime you can take a lead on the road as an underdog, I think that you have to do it. Even if you're settling for three, I think, and I'm glad he did that time. Rams, 
Rams do end up scoring. They go up 25 to 19 and another long drive by the Lions. They convert on third down four times on that drive. They'd only done it twice the previous three quarters. And that's when the interception that Dan Campbell takes the blame for happens. And it just, that was it. That was the end of the game. And we, at that point, it was, it was out of hand. Lion or the Rams kick a field goal to go up another three points and, that was it. That's all she wrote. Hello? Yeah. Sorry. I think I froze there. Yeah. 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 yeah I heard you say that's all she wrote. That's the last thing I heard. Oh, that's what I ended on. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but but I will say that the Lions did have some good highlights and stuff, and they had some players that I feel were, you know, had solid performances. Absolutely. And as Stafford says, they threw the kitchen sink at us today. They really played hard. You got to give yep. it up to Detroit. They're a tough out. Always have been, always will be. And I want to stress, always have been. All the way back to the days of Jerry Ball. It was not an easy out playing the Detroit Lions. And it's never going to be. No. Now, you know, in the NFL, at any week, any team can beat the best teams. That's the one thing about it. Everyone that shows up in a uniform is considered a pro. And this game truly was a sign of that. And so we've got to know, what was the PB&J play of the day for Jerry Ooh. Ball? Who, who threw the kitchen sink the hardest at, Jer- at Matthew Stafford, whether it's offense or defense? Well, I, I tell you, I would tell say that the guy that I consider, you know, really the best player on offense right now for at least the last four weeks has been Swift. So Swift would be my PB and J of the week. And and so much so that I even have a Nice fragrance for him. You know, he smells like a king. You see the K on it and the lion blue ball. He had his crown. He was the king of the jungle for the lions. This is a Dolce and a Gabbana K parfum. And this is a nice scent here. I tell you, it's a nice one. You know, it, it, it actually smells, you know, rarefied. And Swift has shown himself to be a rarefied athlete because he does well running the ball, but his ability of catching and running the ball makes him probably the most exciting player on that team right now for me. And the bottle, the the design, and the smell just all comes together. Chef's mm-hmm. kiss for the king, DeAndre Swift. Absolutely yeah, yeah. beautiful. Any other fragrances that we got to recommend today, or are we just going with the positive ones today? Well, well, no, I, I got a positive one for Coach Campbell. You know, I, I think this this fragrance here probably represents the attitude that he have. You know, I'm a Star Wars fan. You know, and and a lot of times people, you know, take Dark Vader as being, you know, just bad. You know, but I think there's more to him. 
he's complicated and dark vader really is just opening up an opportunity of doing things a little different so i think this fragrance itself represents coach campbell the best and this is a uh, john vervados is called dark rebel now this is has like uh, a liquor, rum, and leather smell, very unique, got a leather jacket. But this is the reason why I say the name itself, Dark Rebel, but Coach Campbell got a kick-ass attitude. And this is a kick-ass attitude type of fragrance. Like when you walk in the bar, if you was a CC rider <laughs> back in the day and you walk in there and you ask them for a beer and they get an attitude and then you whoop everybody's ass in the bar. The dark rebel. <laughs> I can see Dan Campbell do it. That is Coach Campbell to a T. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's a good smell too. Unique. It's probably not for everyone, but if you like leather fragrance, it's a nice fragrance for sure. You know, it's one of John Vervedo's ones that a lot of people try to put their nose on. I suggest everyone try to put their nose on. Does well in the winter. We're in the fall winter season. So this is what we're gonna have for Coach Campbell. Every time he shows up, this is gonna be his scent. <laughs> Dark Rebel Dan Campbell. I absolutely okay. love it. So we've got the fragrance for DeAndre Swift because he deserves it. We've got the fragrance for Dan Campbell because he deserves it. Just hats off to these two gentlemen here yeah. on the Detroit Lions. And yeah. Any other fragrances that we got out there? Or are we wrapping it up? Just those two for today. Well, we're going we to – well, we got some gray areas. Okay. I. This is, you know, a flank of the one. And it's called gray. Now, this scent is, you know, a business type scent. And because we're around the trade deadline coming up, you know, some players may need this gray scent because they're in the gray area of their career. And because it's business, they might want to wear it to the office in case they get traded. This is all of the players that might find an exodus here in the next week. <laughs> so for all of those players out there that want to make a good impression when they're traded and told you have an hour for your flight, wear some yeah. gray, make a good impression on your new bosses. It's, it, that's a Dolce and Gabbana as well, but it's a nice scent. Definitely business class. Love it. I can smell it from here. And I've got to ask, with this next game coming up against the Philadelphia Eagles, Lions are 0-7. Jared Goff is feeling the pressure, and he, he acknowledges, I haven't watched, watched the game film yet, but he believes there's more stuff that they did right. It's getting better than last week. They're heading in the right direction, but at the same time, our league's based on results. No one cares if you're getting better or improving. It's all about winning or losing. So does that mean this is a must-win game for the Detroit Lions? Uh, well, I think they have to take the attitude that all games are must-win now because of the simple fact that if you don't win, you know, at least if you lose two or three, you eliminated from the playoffs early on. 
I, I think, you know, one of the things about Jared that we didn't mention, you know, I, I've been critical about, you know, how he is in the pocket. But when Jalen Ramsey put that hit on him early on, I thought he was going to go in a shell, and he didn't. So that was one of the first times that I seen him respond well. So if that Jerry Goff shows up against the Philadelphia Eagles, the Lions can get their first win. Now, I will say Philadelphia has played some good teams already, so they've been tested, but so have the Lions. I just think that, you know, if this is if there is a chance for the Lions having a team that they can beat, the Philadelphia team right now is probably the best team that they would have that chance with. It's like we always say, it's any given Sunday in the NFL. Let's hope that this Sunday coming up is the one that the Detroit Lions finally get their first W. But that's a conversation for a later day. We'll talk about that on Thursday when we preview the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Detroit Lions. But until then, any pluggables to plug or anything that you want to let the people know about, Jerry? Hey, look, what we need you guys to do, we need you to subscribe. We need you to hit the like or unlike button. And we need you to leave a note. Because what that does, that helps us with the algorithm and get other people to see our channel and invite a friend and share. We appreciate you for everything that you do and love being here with you. And if you've got any questions, make sure you hit us up. Leave a comment on the YouTube channel. We'll read them and maybe you'll have your question read by Jerry Icebox Ball. <laughs> and as always, this show is brought to you by betonline.ag. So with that, do you want to break it down, Jerry? Yes, sir. One, two, three. We, we believe. believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.